The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. After Jesus was baptized, he was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The Gospel of the Lord. One of my mentors in the religious and spiritual life is fond of saying that everything that we study and we do in order to form ourselves into greater wholeness and to invite God into that process, all of that, no matter how we approach it, can be boiled down to one simple thing, and that is learning how to begin again. Learning how to begin again. Every Lent, we hear this story of Jesus' temptations in the wilderness. And so every Lent, we get to begin again. As Jesus was beginning again in the wilderness, he had been baptized in the River Jordan by John, and Matthew makes it ambiguous whether he goes willingly or whether he is compelled by the Spirit, driven beyond all will and all sense into the wilderness, ostensibly beyond the Jordan, where there is no civilization, only himself. And it is there he must Learn how to begin again. Because his life 
has been completely altered by this voice that called him not just beloved, but son, son of God, at that moment in baptism. And that is a title that is not ordinarily granted to Galilean peasants. Let alone this nobody from Nazareth. Jesus probably grew up hearing in the synagogue the phrase Son of God, but it was reserved for great heroes of the scriptures such as King David, such as, ironically enough, Cyrus, the great ruler of Persia who liberated the Israelites from the Babylonian captivity and sent them back to their homeland. Son of God is not reserved for nobodies like Jesus We think Jesus is a special name today, but in Jesus' day, it was an ordinary name. He probably had friends who were named Yeshua, like he was. And so part of what is driving him out into the wilderness must be this sense of, what does this mean, and who am I to become? And so all of those internal voices begin to speak. And as he learns the pangs of hunger through his fasting, he gets down to that raw place in his humanity where the devil becomes not just a temptation within him, but almost another person, another voice that he must confront if he is to truly begin with what God is calling him to do. And the first thing the devil utters to him is, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, This passage, for me, every Lent, becomes a little bit of a spiritual Rorschach test. And it bears that. I think it's meant to be that for us. It is meant to be a place where we bring whatever is tempting us in the moment and put it alongside Jesus' temptations in the wilderness and look deeply and hear what he is being tempted into and how he responds. Because he is tempted not by great cosmic things. It's not like a Marvel movie. It is, in fact, the temptations of our very basic human existence. He is tempted, first of all, to provide comfort for himself. If you are the Son of God, change these stones into bread. We might be tempted to hear that just as a display of power, but Jesus is hungry. 
like we are all hungry at times. And we are tempted to throw everything aside and take care of ourselves. Forget everything else. The need for human comfort and shelter is so profound in us. And it drives so much of what we do and who we are in this world. The temptation is always with us. When I was first invited into the process for ordained ministry, it sounded attractive to me. Why? Because I had a dead-end job working in a little grease spoon in the Midwest. I had no career prospects of any reality at the time, and full-time pay with benefits and a pension sounded like a great plan to me. If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. The next temptation is that temptation that we all succumb to, and that is that deep question in our lives that we ask in so many ways. And it began when we were small and had no words. It was those arms reaching out, hold me. Remember? Remember? All of you, or most of you, have had children, and you know that gesture, that primordial gesture. As we get older, we acquire language to put on that, and we have very sophisticated ways as adults of asking this question, but the question boils down to this. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? That is the fundamental narcissism of our lives. We want the esteem of others. We want to know that we are held in love. And Jesus reminds us through his own experience that we have been told that we are loved and beloved, we remind each other of that in our baptism. Jesus heard that in the Jordan, this is my son, the beloved. Our problem is we don't believe it. And so we keep asking, do you love me? I don't know about you, but this is always a temptation in my marriage. Do you love me? I don't hear it from my wife. I hear it in myself. And I catch myself always looking for that evidence that she loves me. Always. Who is that about, really? 
it's about me. And it's not just putting God to the test, it's about putting her to the test, it's about putting my family to the test. That narcissism is always haunting us. And so Jesus refuses to throw himself off the pinnacle of the temple. He refuses to play that game with God. The third and final test is probably the most familiar to all of us. It is that test of needing to be in charge and in control. The devil makes it almost cosmic in the sense that he offers Jesus the whole world if he will but give up his soul if he will but give himself over to the temptations of power. All of us have given into this temptation in one way, shape, or form. We want to have control over our lives. We know we're in trouble when we want to have control over the lives of others. But really, in God's eyes, there isn't much distinction. Because so much of the power that we lay claim to in our lives, even if it boils down to our own worldly sense of freedom, is about taking something from someone else. And perhaps our besetting sin here in Southern Marin is believing that we can be self-sufficient. And we not only want, we expect the resources to be able to do that. Everything from our well-apportioned homes to our successful careers. We have succumbed to the temptation of power. But as we all learn, sooner or later, the control we think we have actually enslaves us. And not a week, barely a day goes by when I don't hear someone talking about how they feel dominated by so much stuff, so much to keep them busy, so much to take care of, when in fact Jesus' example invites us to shed that awful pursuit of that idol of self-sufficiency and control and learn to be vulnerable and interdependent again. It's a beautiful thing spiritually, but because it is the reality of our lives just as anybody who lives in one of these well-apportioned homes who has experienced, much to their surprise, great loneliness. Of the need for control is not about rejecting something real, but is about embracing reality itself. 
And if you think all of this is hard, good, because you're in good company. It's hard for all of us. These are basic human things. And so we come around to them again, year after year. And they sound different to us year after year because we are in different places in our journey than we were the year before. But this is where we always come back to the beginning. Because these temptations are hardwired into us. They are part of the fabric of our society. They are part of the fabric of our relationships. And they are essential parts of the fabric of our simply being human and vulnerable and frail no matter how young or old you are. And so, as Brother Pete might say, are you ready? Are you ready to begin again? Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.